Can you hear me? Colossians chapter 2. As I go on my voice. But you may want to mark some of these. We'll be looking, especially in the book of Psalms this morning. I don't know how many of you were looking forward to uh, 2021, but uh, you have it.
positive attitude and a hopeful spirit will not suffice. Read them. It's the best way you can study them and let them become a part of your fabric. The second thing I would ask you to do, and you hear me say this a lot because I focus on this, and that is to focus on your walk with God as a priority. People of God have always been or should be uh, people of conviction. A conviction is something that is seen in your life consistently. Many Christians don't have convictions anymore. In fact, we don't use the word a lot. Convictions are to be formed by the Word of God, not by the opinions of people. Our convictions come from the Word of God and are proven by the way we live and tested in times of temptation and trial. And you're going to come up against some things that are opposite of the way that the Bible teaches. I'm hearing them. You're hearing them. And you're going to need these. You're going to need some conviction. But but more, listen carefully, more than your conviction is you're going to need your walk with Jesus. Because if all you have are your convictions, you're going to sink.
Because it's your character that enables you to maintain your convictions in a sweet way. I remember when I was in Bible college, one of our pastors made a comment, and I wrote it down because I thought it was true and it was important, and it is true. And he said this, he said, Convictions without compassion make people mad. And you can feel that in a different ways. Convictions without kindness. Convictions without love. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that Jesus came and He was filled with grace and truth. Truth is important. We stand by the truth. We believe the truth. But if all we have are, are our convictions, we will not win people to Christ. And if all we have is, is uh, if we're soft peddling things and we don't have the truth, we're not going to influence people. You must have both. And so read the books of 1 Peter and, and the book of Philippians consistently and focus on your walk with Christ. And out of that will come your convictions. And your convictions will be tempered, not not softened to where you will compromise. But they will be tempered by wisdom and help you know when you ought to say something and the way you ought to say something and when you ought to stand alone because we're going to have to stand alone. I want you to look in your Bible in Colossians chapter 2. I want to talk to you about gratitude this morning. You see the direction we're going in, the importance of gratitude. And I want to tie all this together in my opening comments here in this passage. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. And I ask you this morning, have you ever received Jesus as your Lord? Was there ever a time and place in your life that you received Christ as your Savior? I did that as a nine-year-old boy. I trusted Him as my Savior. John 1.12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the, the sons of God, the children of God. Have you received Christ as your Savior? I hope you have. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. That's what I've been talking to you about, about walking with God. I've told you before, I love that metaphor about walking with God, walking with the Lord. You're not running with Him. Now, there are times He wants you to run. But when you walk with a person, you have a conversation with them, you get to know them. So walk ye in Him. In Him. How do you do that? Here it is. Rooted and built up in Him. Is your position in Christ. Now, the Bible is a book of words. Obviously, it's a book of language. And there are two contrasting metaphors used here. Rooted and built up. One is an agricultural term, rooted. The other is a term of a building where you, you will... Edifice, where you will build up a, a building. Rooted and built up. So, a root gets its, its nutrients underground. 
And you, you get your nutrients isolated in dark alone with Christ. You're rooted in Him. And this is your time alone with the Lord. This is your worship time, your prayer time, your, your Bible reading. I call it your meaningful time alone with the Lord. Rooted. You're rooted in Him. Have you received Him as your Christ, as your Lord and Savior? Have you done that? Are you walking with Him? Are you rooted in Him? Are you spending time with Him? Because what happens when you do that, the Bible says you become built up in Him. All of a sudden, things become to surface in your life. Uh, people begin to see things. There's, there's some strengthening in your life. Edifices become evident in your life. There's growth that happens in your life. It's inside out, not outside in. You don't start external and go internal. You start internal and go external. You understand that? Always start on the inside. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then the Bible says you'll know the will of God. Rooted and built up in Him. Established. That has the idea of being, of being strengthened. So you're a strong Christian because of, uh, of the, the nutrients. And sometimes that's in the darkness of isolation and suffering. And what God builds into your life. And you're established in the faith as you have been taught. That's what you're here for. You're here to learn the Word of God, to be, become established, to become strong. So when things come your way, you're not knocked, knocked over easily. And I want you to notice what's on the surface of this, of this Christian that is a man, a woman, a young person, a teenager of conviction. It started on the inside at midnight at 6 a.m. They're rooted alone. I appreciate what uh, Daniel's doing with the, the groups, the D groups. Now listen carefully. I want you to do that, but more important than the D group, in fact, what you bring to that is, is the rooted part. In fact, I'd rather for you to do the rooted than to do that part. That part's important. But if you don't do the rooted part on a consistent basis, you're not going to be built up. And you're not going to be established. And what is the crowning virtue? What is the crowning virtue of this person? Look at this. As ye have been taught, what abounding therein, that is with this growth, with thanksgiving. Here is this man, this woman, this young person that is growing they, they have conviction, they're steadfast, but they have a sweet spirit of gratitude. They have a thankful heart. They're not selfish. They're not entitled. They don't forget the people that have helped them, that have invested in them. They know that it's not about them. They know that they are a debtor to God and to other people. So that begs the question, and this is really the question that the message hints on, how do I conquer ingratitude? Is there a way that I can stir my old heart to become 
thankful because ingratitude has a devastating impact on my walk with God. When I came to Christ as a boy, God delivered me from the bondage of selfishness. And He changed me. But here's the way He didn't. He did it. He didn't change me and say, Rick, I want you to stop being selfish. I want you to stop being ungrateful. Uh, he, he led me to that, but it wasn't like I saw that in letters. He showed me how good God was. He showed me what God had done for me. He showed me how good my parents were. He showed me how good my mentors were, how good my teachers, my coaches, my Sunday school teachers, my youth pastor, how good people were to me. And I realized this, this world is not about me. I cannot make this on my own. My people have been good to me. They have laid their life down for me. The Lord Jesus saved me. He changed me. He died for me. This is not about me. And the more I, I became rooted in Him, and the more that I became built up in Him, I became more, more strong in gratitude, and I became more established in conviction, and I became more abounding. And that you ought to look up that word sometime. It means to overflow, to superabound in excess with gratitude. Not because I wrote on a piece of paper, remember to be thankful today, but because I was mindful that I was a debtor. Realizing the value of gratitude helps me to make it a priority. That this is an important thing. Listen carefully. Gratitude is a posture of the heart. Expressing thanks is a result of that posture. You'll never give thanks until you're grateful. Gratitude is the posture. It is the spirit it is the way you think. Giving thanks is a result of that posture. When I'm grateful, I have a correct reflect, reflection of what I see about God. That He saved me. I couldn't save myself. I have a correct reflection of myself that I'm selfish. That I have an ego. That I'm a taker. I have a correct reflection of the people that God has so kindly put into my life to help me advance where I could not advance teachers and influencers and coaches in a precious mom and dad. And I see these people as gifts. And I think that's why, as you get older, when these people pass on, it's such a loss because you realize... You realize what they meant to you. And what a precious treasure they are. A twin virtue to gratitude is humility. Because pride and ego reject gratitude. When, I'm, when I have an ego, I don't want to be grateful. It's about me. I don't need people. 
I'm self-made. I'm a good preacher. I'm a good husband. I'm a good dad. I'm a me, my. Everything is about me. It's my ego. I can do this. But when you're humble and you realize, I, I can't do this on my own. I didn't know that before you taught me that. I couldn't do that before you helped me. I was lost until you saved me. And this virtue of gratitude comes with humility. Humility does not mind sharing the platform and referring to others. Humility delights in honoring others for recognition. Pride is easily offended with others fail to recognize their recognition because they think they're worth more than they are. Wherever you are in your life today, you are there because someone ahead of you sacrificed for you. And the sacrifices you're making today are for the people behind you. And they may not appreciate you, but that's not the issue. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. And many times the people that are above you are the humble people. Because usually the proud people are plodding down. Now let me talk to you about a little bit as long as I can about the importance of gratitude. Number one, gratitude is important because it's a form of witnessing. Now I say it's a form of witnessing because to witness you've got to give the gospel. People have got to hear that Jesus died for them, that He bore their sin and He rose again from the dead. But many people reject the gospel. They reject the message of the gospel because they reject the messenger of the gospel. They don't want to hear about Jesus because they see the person that, re, that represents Jesus. And because of that, in a sense, not literally, but in a sense, the messenger becomes the message and the Bible seems to teach that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. When we have a spirit of, of genuine thanks and praise towards God, that conveys to other people the value that we place upon Him. It causes them to take notice because we only, we only worship that which is greater than us. We're only grateful for that and, and who has done more for us. And when we do not praise the Lord, when we are not grateful for the Lord, we are not His witnesses. What good does it do when, we're not, when we do not have a grateful spirit in the workplace or in the home? Or if our kids are playing sports 
and we complain all the time, and then we try to tell someone about Jesus, do you think they're going to listen about what we have to say? They're not going to. Because they don't want the kind of Christ that has not conquered ingratitude in us. Genuine gratitude validates what we say about a person and how we feel about them. When we, when we speak warmly about another person and someone hears us speak about that person when they've never met them, they want to hear about them. They may never tell you, but when you speak warmly about your wife or a friend, they, they want to meet that person because of what you say about them. And when you're grateful to God, you may not ever give the gospel even, but when you're grateful to God for His blessings, it makes an impact on people. It makes them hungry for the gospel. It makes them hungry to know your God. In Psalm 75 and verse 1, the Bible says, Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks? I want you to notice the Bible doesn't say we give thanks. It says unto thee. Our gratitude is directed to God. Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee, again, do we give thanks. Notice this. For that thy name is near. God, you and your presence is near. Thy wondrous works declare. God, everything that is good and that, that you do, you're, you're associated with it, your name, your presence. And unto thee, unto thee, we're thankful. God, I'm not, I'm not just thankful for your hand, I'm thankful for your heart. I'm not just thankful for the gift, I'm thankful for the giver. I'm thankful for the person that gave me the gift. Charles Spurgeon wrote a commentary called The Treasury of David where he wrote about all 150 psalms. And when he wrote about Psalm 75 and verse 1, about this verse, he, he noted that we are to be thankful for the tokens of God's perpetual deeds of grace. We're to be Thankful for the tokens of God's perpetual deeds of grace. When I read that, I, I, I like the way he expressed it. Perpetual all the time. The tokens, the visible expressions, the deeds of grace. What kind of perpetual tokens... Of the deeds of grace is God's doing in your life, not just yesterday and last year, but today. All are there. The Bible says, We're to say unto thee, O God, do we give thanks? If you want to move over a few chapters in Psalm 105 and verse 1, very similar, but if you would look at it, Psalm 105 and verse 1. O give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Again, the gratitude is expressed unto the Lord directly. Now watch this. Make known His deeds among the people. Make known His deeds among the people. Tell other people what He has done. 
give deference to the Lord. You sure do have a a good family, sir. Oh, thank you so much. God has been good to us. You've been married for 60 years. How How do you do that? Nobody does that anymore. Oh, it's the mercy of God. Say, well, preacher, I, I don't want to be self-righteous. Well, don't be self-righteous when you say it. Be sincere when you say it. Give deference to the Lord. Make known His deeds among the people. You know, God has given us a superior way of living, but He's given us a superior way of living because He's a superior God. He's a living God. Remember... Years ago, almost 20 years ago, not quite, maybe 17, we were in my mom's kitchen, and the phone rang. Paula and I were there with my mom, and it was a phone call from Chattanooga that my two boys who were attending college together, John was a freshman, Jeremiah was a sophomore, they were playing baseball together, the same Christian college that they'd been in a car accident on I-75 south of Chattanooga they were going to we found out later they were going to hear a preacher north of Atlanta with one of their friends and so they had been taken to the hospital and they had the traffic was backed up for miles and miles and they had called the ambulance and had put them into the lady, one of the parents had called us, didn't know how bad it was, and we hopped in the car, got up there as fast as we could. We saw the pictures of the car. It was a terrible accident where a 18-wheeler had, two of them had compressed in. Uh, Jeremiah was in the front seat or the right. Their friend was driving. John was in the back seat behind John, the passenger seat. An 18-wheeler on the right side had compressed in on them and had torn the roof off of the car, almost like a can opener would tear the roof off. And Jeremiah told me, he's dead. I knew I was going to die. I was going to die. And it just destroyed the car, particularly that whole side of the car. We got into Chattanooga, and they were able to be released from the hospital. And my boys were upset. They were, they were shaken from it. We took them to get some medicines, prescriptions. Remember, we were standing at the college, and they were still talking about the accident. And John put his hands in his pocket. He said, look at this, and he pulled his... He pulled his hand out of his pocket, and there was glass from the accident, from the windows that had shattered, that literally went during the accident that had gone into his pocket. I remember as we wept, and there is not a time that we do not drive down I-75 near Tunnel Boulevard and recount the mercy of God. 
that there was not a double funeral for our sons. But the God has been merciful to us on, on many, many occasions. And He's been merciful to you. And it ought to mark our hearts, not just for 17 years ago, but to be able to say, God, thank you. Thank you for your kindness and for sparing our children, even in times that we cannot see. My favorite gratitude verse in the Bible is Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. You've heard me reference this verse. I love this verse. Who daily loadeth us. The word load means to impose with a heavy burden. It's like someone puts his, his heavy backpack, but it's more than a backpack. It's a load. It's this burden you have to carry around. He loads you down, but these are not burdens or blessings. And the Bible says that He daily loads us. Look at it. He loads us with benefits every day. Every day when you got up this morning, as you sit in this auditorium, and the last word in the verse is the word Selah, which is a Hebrew word which simply means to stop. Pause. Think about this. Let's stop and think about this. We've got a tough year ahead of us. Oh, there's going to be some good things. Some really good things. That's what I want you to look at. But if all we see is the battles. You're not going to win anybody to Jesus. You're going to be an angry, frustrated, negative, mean Christian. I want you to have some convictions. But I want you to be rooted and built up and established in Him. Abounding there with thanksgiving. I want this to be a happy church. When people walk in these doors, I don't want them to sense a burden, a heaviness. I want them to sense the the sweetness and the presence of the Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath Blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Notice that. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. He's giving us everything that we need for the rest of our life. But they're not material blessings. They're, they're spiritual blessings. Everything we need. I have everything I need. Everything I need. My problem is not my blessings. It's my ability to see my blessings. 
David said in Psalm 103 and verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Don't forget the benefits. These daily these daily burdens, but they're not burdens, there's daily blessings, loads of blessings. And so, every day, your gratitude is a testimony, it's a form of witnessing. It's a declaration that there's a living God that has saved you, that has cleansed you, that is helping you that is sustaining you, that is blessing you, that is providing you. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul, excuse me, John, the Lord Jesus through John, wrote them. He says, you've, you've left your first love. And I believe... The way they knew they left their first love is they lost their gratitude. They talked the language. They had the lingo. But they lost their appreciation. At night when they laid down, they didn't think about the goodness of God. When they got up in the morning, They couldn't see the gifts of God. When they saw their children, their brother and sister, they couldn't see the goodness of God. H.A. Ironside said, if there was ever a time when you loved and served Jesus more than you do now, then you're backslidden. And when we get to this place, we are not witnesses. We are not witnesses. Years ago, I was preaching one Sunday night on joy from Psalm 40 at this very place. And how it is to lose your joy. I gave the invitation and I heard a noise, a soft crying and then a sob. And it was over here and it was one of our leaders. Everybody was seated. They had their heads bowed and eyes closed in the invitation. Then he stood up and He stumbled towards the platform and stumbled up on the platform and came up to me and wrapped his arms around me and buried his head in my chest and wept his heart out. I didn't ask anybody to come, but his heart was broken. He was so far away from God because he lost his joy, he lost his gratitude, he lost his first love. I uh, have been careful with COVID because of my physical condition. 
I've been reasonable about it, but I've been careful. Paula caught it, and I moved to another part of the house. And uh, went and got tested, and I was negative. But I figured I would get it later. And I did. I knew that it was uh, bad. I had a pastor friend of mine that had contracted it. And he called me one day from intensive care. And he was scared. And my wife heard him. He was on speakerphone as I talked to him. Not because I wanted her to hear. She just happened to walk in. It was just because I could hear better. And he was weeping. And he told me, he said, you know, I'm all by myself. I can't see my wife. I can't see anybody but the nurses. And he said, all I do is I think about my life and I think about my mortality. And he said, in times like this, you think about the people you love, about your friends. You think about your loved ones. And this is not a man given to tears. And I wept with him. Back in November, Aaron Wilburn, who's been here twice, was on Facebook writing and contracted COVID and less than two weeks later passed away. Approached in Winchester, Virginia several years ago up at the top of I-66 there in 81 where they meet for a friend. And a good man. He's been in ICU now for a month with COVID. They just put him intubated him the last couple of days. He's my age. Uh, I was full aware of because of my disease. So my fever went up, and they took me to the hospital. And I was going to fight everything I could to keep from going in. Then they let me go back home, and I was very thankful for that. Then about a week later, my fever went back up close to 104. And... Paula was insistent, and my kids were insistent. I didn't want to go back, and I know that's stupid. But I knew what was going to happen. That if they put me in there, that they weren't going to let anybody come back there. I knew I would get better care, but I didn't want to go back there by myself. So finally, I, I consented, and Paula drove me out to the hospital. 
And she walked in with me, and, and then the security guards made her leave. She couldn't even sit in there with me, the waiting area. And they immediately took me, immediately took me over to the area and took my vitals and And then they said, okay, you can come back here. Do you need a wheelchair? I said, no, I think I can walk. And I stood up and I saw my wife on the outside, on the sidewalk, talking in her phone with a terrified expression. thinking the same thing I was. I didn't think I was going to die, but I I didn't know what to do, and I just patted my heart like that. I love you. I had my telephone, so I could text and call, and I had the Word of God on my phone. I took a black book, this black little notebook I have where I keep a lot of notes in it. And that's all I took. I took this black notebook in case things got worse. So that I could write some things down that I needed to write. But I didn't need to. Because God let me go out of the hospital. And let me go home. And let me get better. I want to be a testimony for Jesus. And I will give out tracts. And I will witness and tell people about Jesus. And I will stand here and I will preach in his name. But if my heart does not overflow, as Colossians 2, 7 says, with abundant thanks, which is born of gratitude, that's the posture of your heart. Nobody's going to listen. I've got some more to tell you, but I'm out of time and I'm out of what I can give you. We're out of time. Are you saved this morning? Do you know Jesus is your Savior? Heaven is real. Hell is real. Would you come to Christ? Would you put your faith in Him? Turn from your sin. Ask Him to save you. And if you are a Christian, and this last year just blew up in your face, and things aren't going the way you want them to go, don't let that ruin the good things that God is doing and has done and will do for your life. Because it will destroy 
and canker your spirit and make you become an ugly complainer and you will not have a witness. You'll become a very bitter person. Let's not do that. That's not the heart of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head with me?